1: Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where would you come from? I'm Mary Bourne. I come Bali, Bali, Ali, or <laughs> Bali, <Fermi. laughs> Mary, you and I, I don't know how we were introduced, but we go back a while now. We do, yeah. 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 And I was very lucky you joined me on the stage in the Helix um, for the live show. And we only had like a 10-minute conversation. <laughs> That, like, was just unreal. The audience reaction to you was insane.
3: Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I got that much more in than I thought it would get in in 10, in ten minutes. And I told them very personal things. Mm. But, you know, I think that's what endured. You know, they were looking at me and they were saying, she's just like me. Mm. And when I was telling them all the things, I was making fun of it. Mm. They were laughing with me, not, mm. at, not at me. They were mm. laughing with me. And I just, I enjoyed every minute of that. Oh, now, I will say I had a few glasses of wine beforehand, but, you know, we'll say nothing about that. <laughs> and Rob Murphy said, don't be drinking, yes, I'm all right. But it was great. I enjoyed it. I really Like, I, the thing
2: I remember from it the most was, like, someone shouting, Mary, you're rocking. <laughs> I was like,
3: that is just the best thing ever. Every one of them. I mean, I've, I heard, Mary, I love you. Mary, you're brill. You know, you're great, Mary. And that just, because that, I suffer with um, insecurities, you mm. know, like we all do. We all mm. have insecurities. So to hear people saying that, it just, it gives you a build. Mm. And especially when there are your own type of people. Mm-hmm. When they're ordinary people mm-hmm. who look at you and see themselves in you. I think that's brilliant.
2: Yeah, it, really it is. was. It was great. And the thing was, after it, like everyone was like, so I put the video out and then everyone was like, is there, is, is there another podcast? Is Mary doing another show? Isn't ah. I then Can you get Mary on the pod? Is Mary going on the pod? And then I did like a question box and you were in that as well. I was like, lads, I'm just trying to pin her down. And yeah. when I pin her down. <laughs> we'll be there. I was like, we'll be there. So, do you want to tell me a little bit about your life? Because we know about you, like, we know where you came from with Tesco's and the X Factor. So, tell me, like, how did that all even come about?
3: Well, I mean, for years, I mean, I was born and reared in Ferma. Mm-hmm. I was born on twenty six Canmore Drive. So, it was obvious I was going to end up working in Ballyferma. And Tesco's just happened. I mean, I worked over in Centra for five years. And then, oh, I just got a pain in my backside with that. So, I mm-hmm. decided to go for Tesco's, a bigger job, better Thing. So I went in I started working in Tesco's And I was 11 years in Tesco's When My brother Happened to turn around And say to me We you not start learning Some backing tracks And come out singing with me Because he used to do Tom Jones Right So I said I don't know Tom I'm still very nervous Because I stopped singing For a long time Why and did you stop singing? I had Deborah And uh, I suppose things that were said to me By certain person Who I who will rename ma- Nameless um, he kind of made me feel that I was worthless and that I couldn't sing, that I was just, people were just being kind to me. And that, I actually started to believe that, that, you know, why does anyone want to listen to me? If it, You know, if he's saying this and she's saying that, so. But I sat on the till, and this is on my mother and father who are in heaven, and I turned around and it was a beautiful sunny day out. And I had gone back singing with Tommo and I started to go over to the Shamrock in Finglas. Mm. And I started getting standing ovations. Now, I used to have a few beers before I got up, so I, I don't even think I was singing well. Because you know yourself, when you're drinking, you, you can't even hear the music. Mm. But for some strange unknown reason, when I did the Shirley Bassey number or a big song, they were just standing, standing up and clapping me. So I sat on the till and I said to God, or whoever is in the universe, I know there's something bigger for me. So what I'm going to say to you now, universe or God, I remember the words I said, if you open the doors, I promise you I will walk through them and I will work my butt off. Mm. And that was, I would say, about four years before the X Factor. And then all of a sudden, my brother rang me and he said, Mary, there's a, an audition going on, he says, for um, Nolik number one. And I said, What's Nolik number one? He said, TG Carr. And I said, Tom, I'll be all kids at that. Mm. And he said, No, they won't. No, I guarantee. He said, we'll, Look, we we'll go down for the crack. And we were dying when I hang up. We'd been gigging the <laughs> night before. And I it was on a Sunday afternoon down along the docks mm-hmm. and into a big hotel. I can't remember the hotel that's down there in the docks such I am heading down to the point. But anyway, in we went and we were, I was right, there was gangs of kids everywhere. But we did our audition. Both of us got through. He got knocked out in the first round and I went on to win it. Stop. Now, in saying it, the song I sang was You'll Never Walk Alone but in Irish it was called Shulat. Right. It downloaded 19 copies. But... That's okay. It was that thing of standing on the stage. I never looked at the cameras. I didn't look at the judges. I didn't care. That's kind of I said to myself, well, if I can do this, I can do anything. But mm. anyway, that was over. I niece mean, said to me, you have to go on the X Factor. And I, I remember Simon Cowell saying, you know, he would never come back to Ireland because there was no talent there. Mm-hmm. So I used this excuse, thinking I was going to, and I said, look, if Simon comes back to Dublin, I'll go for it. Two years later... Simon came back to Dublin. So that's how that bit started. I mean, niece pushed and pushed and pushed until I went for the, the auditions.
2: And how do you tell Tesco go- you're going in to do this?
3: Well, do you know, I didn't say anything to them mm. in, in the beginning. I went in, I queued up in Crow Park, two o'clock in the morning with my daughter. God love her. She bought me a camp chair. She Because I have arthritis both knees, <laughs> And she bought a, a flask, put tea in it, sandwiches. But when we got in there, the place was packed. And the atmosphere... It was absolutely electric. Everybody was singing. There was a few people drinking. Mm. I was just drinking my coffee and my tea with my daughter. Mm. At six o'clock that morning, um, the guys came out with the cameras. And your man said to me, and who are you with? And I looked. No, I, I got where he was coming from. I was an older woman. The rest were all young kids. And I said, I'm here to audition. And he just moved the camera away from me. What? And I remember turning around and saying to him, watch this space boy. And he walked. And I became friends with him.
2: Oh, my God. Because
3: he couldn't believe when he heard me singing in Crow Park, a cappella, and all the crowds started clapping. They couldn't hear anybody else singing. My big mouth just opened up. I, I, you have nothing. And the place went into an eruption. It was unbelievable. And I became friends with that guy, the camera fella, and he was one of the producers of the show. So, <clears throat> where was I going with my trend of thought there? No, but
2: hang on. Even that, like, I'm getting, my back, like, it's like, whoo, like... Well,
3: some Even me, when I think about it, the goose. I get the, yeah. the goosebumps mm. just thinking about you know me standing on the pitch in Crow Park and singing a cappella. And this guy said absolutely nothing to me. When the crowd clapped, he handed me this card, a yellow card, I think it was, and told me to go upstairs. And I said, anything else? He said, no, off you go. So off I went and upstairs and the woman told me to come back at seven o'clock the next morning. So I had three more auditions the next day, all in front of producers and every one of them. Just let me sing. I only sang two lines of "I Who Have Nothing" to the first one at seven, and he said, "You're down there, just to go down the hall there, sang that And then the last one is, "You're being filmed." I didn't know I was being filmed, so I started singing. And your man, I couldn't see your man. He was behind this yoke. I knew there was lights on, but mm. I, didn't know I couldn't see the camera. So I sang away, and he said, Do "You know any um, you know, up to date songs?" And of course, I'm I like the old songs, mm. but there was one song because Andres, and Alexander Burke had won the X-Factor the year before. So I loved Hallelujah.
4: Mm.
3: But I was only learning it. So I started singing it. And I'm getting to the part where I don't know and I and here I am. That's it now. I said that's all. I've, I've only learned that. And he goes, OK. And I said, thanks. And I went to run. He caught me back. I said, hang on, Mary. Hang on. Now, I still couldn't see him in the dark. Mm. He said, we'll be we'll in touch with you. You know, if you've made it through. And I said, yeah, kind of got it. And out the door I went and home and heard nothing. And then no, he, the girl outside, so you'll hear her in the month. If you don't hear her in the month, you're not true.
4: Yeah.
3: Month passed. And I'm. this is how I got back to tell Tesco. Came back to Tesco, went to my boss, and I said, look, I want to go on in for the, the X-Factor. And he was pissing himself laughing because he knew I had done the Nullick number one. Mm. And they were, they looked after me for that as well. Mm. Like, they anything I wanted, any times I wanted off. And they paid me. Yeah. That was back in Nullick number one. And they weren't getting, you know, the <laughs> yeah. what they got from the X-Factor. But I went down and he said to me, you joke. joking me I said no so then it started to peter down to the, to the customers and I got to a stage that I couldn't even sit on the till because the tills were becoming, the crowds were getting bigger and bigger just coming up to see what was happening and he wore you so there was no work being done <laughs> so the boss called me in and he said look I'm going to let you off for, for a month until you hear that he said and we'll pay you he says because this is ridiculous we can't we can't, we can't do this <laughs> You know, because everyone was going, around, "Hello, Mary." I, I have nothing. <laughs> and then, like as I told them, that's the song I was going to yeah. do. So I was off for one month, <clears throat> and on the Friday of the fifth week after the sh- after the auditions, mm. I was getting up because I said, "Fuck, I go back to work." There's no point. going. so I was going around to tell them I'd back on Monday and blah blah blah. Hadn't heard that, and it wasn't true. And the phone rang, and it was an English accent, and her name was Helen. I'll remember to the day I die. I'll remember it. And she said, "Hello, Mary," and I said, "Hello." And I said, who's this? And she says, hi, my name is Helen. I'm from the X Factor. And I fell off the bed. And my cocks has hit the ground. And the f- screams me on the ground. She says, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, I just slipped off the bed. I said, no, your <laughs> But um, she turned around and says, me, um, do you have any uh, physical problems? I said, yeah, I have arthritis. And I said, I suffer with depression. I said, I'm a little bit mad like all of us. And she said, that's no problem. That's no problem. She said, I just want to tell you that you've made it true to the judges. And I just sat there on the floor Spoke to her for a few minutes. Can't remember what I said to her. Can't remember what she said to me. Set on the floor. My daughter can run up and said what's wrong, ma? I said, I'm true to the judges. And they're coming here. And she went, oh, I thought I was about to win in the lotto or something. And then she went off downstairs. <laughs> and I'm still sitting there shocked. So that's how all that mm. came about. So then I went back to Tesco's. And I had to tell them that I was true to the judges. And he said, you cannot walk in here, Mary. He said, the, the crowds would be too much. Yeah. And he was right because I came. I said, oh, look, I want to come back to work. I don't want to be sitting around. I'm not going to see them until the end of April. Yeah. So I came in for two days and I couldn't tell anybody I was to the judges. So they, they were still asking the questions. The crowds were still coming in. And there they were a lot of older people because I wouldn't have told the younger yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. So all my older um, customers were coming to me. And these were people who came to me long before I went on Nulik or RM, um, mm. the X Factor. And they used to bring me of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And they'd, I'd sing old songs with them. Paul. Just do that dishwasher, sorry. I would sing old songs with them and I would uh, talk to them about their. Some of them would go out and come back in two or three times. Ah. Because they were lonely. So they come in and they talk about the dog they had at home or the pain in their back or, you know, they felt a bit lonely, their daughter wasn't coming up this weekend. And they did that all the time. And I think that's how I got on with them so much because I could relate to them mm. and I had time for them. Now, a lot of the, the girls that walked in Tesco's had lots of time for the, mm. the customers as well. But I just had a bond with the older people. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I miss my mum and dad, mm. having a clue. Mm. But I just know that when, I, when I'd when i see them coming in, my heart lifted. And the, I mean, rosary beads. I'd have more prayers put onto the <laughs> till 40 <laughs> than at else I'd go out from your break and I'd come back in, and there'd be a set of rosary bead sitting there in a, mm. a Mars bear, and there'd be a, a voucher for something. And it was just, they were just so lovely to me. Mm. So, oh, sorry. So that's... I mean, I had to leave Tesco. I came back, as I said, for two days and they had to tell me to go home because I couldn't get any work done. I mean, the queues... Like, I was on till 40, which was one of the small tills, mm. and there was about six tills behind me. But sure, nobody could get to the tills <coughs> behind me because it was down the line, mm. right down the aisle. And they were all waving up at me and, and I was going, oh God. So I ended up going home and nobody, nobody kind of knew. Mm. And then... We went in front of the judges and still... Where was that? To remind us. It was in... Oh, I can never the name But You know that big mm-hmm. building that has the glass goes that The cons, cons, Con- center. Con- convention centre. center. Yeah. That's where that was. And that was from half ten in the morning. And when you see me on the audition, that's half past one in the morning. That's how long the process is. Because they have to see loads of people and they do loads of filming. And, and I kind of didn't know what was going on. I was saying why are they filming me all the fucking time? They kept coming over and asking me questions and stuff like that and then I got to meet Dermot. Dermot O'Leary. Oh, really? oh my God, what a bum he is! <laughs> it's rock <laughs> and the kindness of him mm. and he's gentle and oh, just, look, The X Factor for me had its ups and downs but it had more ups than it had downs mm. and, I, and I'm glad I did it. I really am glad I did it to this day. I'll never ever regret what I did I don't care what people say I often hear people say oh you know them and they'd say it deliberately in front of me Mm. them reality shows and the stars that come off them overnight success I said come here I tell you I was singing all my life I sang in every pub club and got dressed in toilets and beckon. so I said don't give me overnight success I said "I I got a great opportunity and I took it and you'll not make me feel bad about doing it because the music industry has changed now. Years ago, the bands all fought their way up. Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. Because it's it's all... it's all. Um, I, I'm trying to get the word that it's done. It's like they're all... It's like Westlife. The, no, I love Westlife. Mm. But they were all put together. Like in a package. Yeah. Where years ago, the bands went down. And they met each other. And, and they got together. And they mm. were walking. So it was a different industry then. This is a different time and a different industry. And even now, since the X Factor has gone off the air. Gone off the air. Gone mm. off the air. Gone off the air. Um, that's that's even you know the, the, at, when the X Factor was on the industry that industry was being saturated by the mm. amount of people that's on and I don't think you're ever going to see anybody like Tom Jones Shirley Bassey Neil Young all those old singers they had long stamina because the industry was different then mm. today the stars coming up they're up they have to make their money they have to make sure they have something to fall back on because not many of them and I, and I mean this I think out of all the singers that are out there maybe 10 out of 200 singers mm. will have some sort of stamina. The industry has changed. So anyone ever turns around and says, oh, I wouldn't go on any of those uh, those shows. What else do you do? Mm. What else do you do if you want to sing? You need a platform. Mm. And the expect it was the platform. So that's for me.
2: What's your biggest memory
3: of it? Oh, Jesus, so many. I mean, the, the one memory that sticks in my head every time was my Bublé. When... I'm walking down the corridor in Fountain Studios and Louis Walsh called me and I didn't even know who the man was standing at the door and he said, have you met Michael? And I went over and I said, how are you? And I went silent and I put my hand on his face and I said, are you real? And he started laughing and I said, what are you laughing at? And I said, you're porcelain. And he said, oh for God's sake, Mary, He said, I've been watching you, fair play to you. But there was a camera on us at the time. I didn't know what the camera was. So then we went into Michael Bublé's dressing room we sat Louis and we had champagne and he just yapped to me and he told me that's when he told me about a, a, how to do an album a, a bubile album he said mm. bubile your music you know he was, just, he was just a lovely guy and he was funny and he was down to earth so that was one of the memories the other memory was when I knocked um Christina Aguilera into a fire extinguisher and I didn't know who she was <laughs> <laughs> what right so it's the finals and I don't know who Christina was singing with, or maybe it wasn't maybe it was the final, she was there, but she was doing a sh- uh, song. And I came out of the room that we used to sit in, and this girl was coming towards me. And I didn't see her, I, but I did, but there was somebody else coming behind me, so I kind of pushed, and she smacked her arm off the table. I said, God, I'm terrible, sorry, look. She said, and in an American accent, she said, I okay, and off she went. And Niall Horne said to me, do you know who that is? And I said, no, why? I said, who was she? I said, she's not with Simon Kelp. She says, me, that's Christina Aguilera. <gasps> I said, you are joking me. <laughs> and there she's going and her arm <laughs> off me. I, mean, I didn't know who she was. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's like the time. Now, Usher, I had heard of Usher because of my daughter. Yeah. So I'm sitting after doing my gig. Mm-hmm. Usher is this, this fella's up singing. And we're all back in back. together. So I wasn't watching him. And I'm talking to Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And we're having a laugh. And next of all, the chap was I said, how are you, Mary? Big black man. How are you, Mary? And I said... <laughs> Oh yeah, And I said to Rebecca, who's that? She said, that's Usher. I said, "Oh, how are you, Usher? I
4: hadn't a clue who
3: was. But that's the truth and that's how naive I was to mm. all the big pop stars. Yeah. And as I said before, I went on the X Factor as a 50-year-old woman. I didn't go on to be a, a pop star. Yeah. What I wanted was a platform. And most of all, what I wanted was Simon Kell and Louis to say, God, you can sing. If they had not put me through, or how I went through, I will never know. I made more mistakes in judges houses i made mistakes in uh, boot camp and still they put me through i do not know how or why but when i said it to to, excuse me danny minogue danny says dropping names here like there's no tomorrow the floor is full of people (laughs) just for you on the radio (laughs) there's lots of stairs on the floor (laughs) but uh she said to me, the reason they put you through is because they've seen the X Factor. Even though you, you forgot your words in the songs. Mm. She said, but you kept singing. And you made up your own words. Mm. She said, you didn't stop. You just kept going. And she said, they've seen something in you that you've never seen in yourself. And that touched me.
4: Mm.
3: That touched and That made me realise, well, maybe I have got something. Maybe, you know, I can do this as a, for a living. Mm. And the platform was there. And the rest is history. Was all that that you were getting...
2: And all the, I'm being told, like, and I showed you the thing that someone put up today mm-hmm. about you or from the ship that chills. And, you know, I'm your biggest fan. The guys, Rob, my dad, everyone, be your biggest fan. Like, so when you're hearing that, is that validation from you to
3: say to him, fuck you? You know, fuck you. Yes. Yes. It would have been in the beginning. Yeah. Now, I don't even think God about it. I don't care. Mm. And my confidence has grown with my with my performances and stuff like that, I still get very nervous before I go on stage. But, uh, just letting you know, there's another name being dropped here. <laughs> Thomas Jones, you mm-hmm, know, the mm-hmm. man himself. Mm-hmm. I asked him when I met him about nerves. I said, you still get nervous. And Hang he was, on, tell the story. <laughs> of when I met him? Yeah. All right, well, obviously, you know, I, that was his song. It was his version of the song because mm-hmm. Shirley Bassey sung that song first, but he had the hit with it. So we went to while on the X Factor they used to bring you all these all these things like you know premieres of films and stuff. So they brought us to the Pride of Britain, where I met uh, obviously Westlife and then I met um my- my- my Paul O'Grady and the great Barbara Windsor who you know played Peggy mm-hmm. on the on EastEnders. I had a cigarette with both of them outside. So I mean, just it's crazy when I think about it. and when I'm saying it to you, it's like as if you know it's just normal. Mm-hmm. It's a normal life, but anyway. The biggest story of the night was someone had said Tom Jones was in the building mm. and I'm a huge Tom Jones fan. Always was and always will be. So I'm looking around all the place and I spot him sitting down and I was about to go over and I don't know which one of the, the kids said like, no wait because he's giving out a a prize. He's going to be leaving to go. So I sat there. No I was talking to I was talking to Shane out of Westlife mm. and knew he was there as well and I'm yapping away and they're saying yeah, you have to do this song you have to do that song blah blah blah. And I spot Tom Jones from the corner of my eye with his son walking up the corridor. And I said, See you later, lads. And I ran over, kicked my shoes off at the table, running after him. And I'm going, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. <laughs> and I heard Mark, his son, saying, Dad, keep walking. But this, then he turned around and he copped who I was. I said, Oh, hang on, Dad. It's the girl that sang your song on The X Factor. And my heart started pumping when I heard this because they knew me. Oh, my God. So Tom Jones turns right around and he goes, Well, in his well, Jackson. I can never say he's well, Jackson. Yeah hi Mary and I went oh, Mr Jones thank you very much for all the music you've given us and I really really love you and, 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 and I'm glad that your song came out I'm glad that I, did, did I do okay and he went I just want to say this in his Welsh accent now girls yeah. and boys out there listen you have to listen to his accent in your own minds Ireland may have got itself a female Tom Jones on every part of me body went <laughs> and then he bent down and kissed me nose <laughs> And so the joke on the, on the stage is, my nose is full of blackheads, because I've never watched <laughs> <it> since. <laughs> but that's... And then I just yeah. got to talk to him, and I asked him about his nerves, and I asked him about this, and he said, when you've stopped being nervous, Mary, he said, give it up. He said, because that's when I'll stop. And he's 82. Wow. So, so that was my... I, you know, they say don't meet your, your heroes, but that man just, he was just what I thought he would be. Kind, gentle, beautiful, and... Oh God, he's sexy.
4: A lot uh, of people yeah. wouldn't
3: think so now because he's 82, but I think he's sexy. I
2: think we had that conversation and we were saying, yeah, and some, I think half the room was 58, yeah, sexy and half the room were like, he's 82. Yeah, he's 82. Shut up.
3: Doesn't make any difference. It's his voice. He, it's it's his voice and it's the way he carries himself. And I mean, you watch him on the voice mm. and that song he sang there last week or the week before, mm. I'm not sure when it was on, and then told the story about his wife, Linda. I was sobbing me heart out. But I wasn't sobbing my heart out because I was sobbing my heart because he was talking about his wife Linda. But his voice at 82 is still golden. Mm. And if I could have even a pinch of that when I'm 65 or 70, mm. I would be happy. I would be a very happy girl. And I do have a very deep voice. Mm. And of course, I grew up singing Tom Jones songs and Shirley Bassey songs. So the voice has deepened over the years. And maybe, yes, maybe Ireland does have a
4: female <laughs> Tom Jones, you know. <laughs>
3: And Mary, you sang for the Queen. Oh, We God. have to talk about <coughs> it our past and you sang for the Queen. I did. I, I have to say, and I, it was my first time to meet Gay Bourne as well. And okay. Gay was always, a, I grew up with Gay as a kid. Mm. I used to remember, you'd be on the 10 o'clock in the, in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning till 10. And then I watched him on the Late Late Show. I wouldn't have had a clue what was going on in the Late Late mm. Show, but I just loved the man. I don't know what it was about him. A lot of people, as I got older said, he was an arrogant person. He was this, that and the other. But the man I met mm. wasn't arrogant. The man I met had nothing but respect for me, and that just made me even more, you know, happier to know him. Mm. So he was there, and I remember that day actually very well because we were getting our makeup done, myself and Gay. You know, <laughs> Lord have mercy on him. <laughs> up in the thing, and we could see the snipers on the roof, and that, you know, it, it's like you're standing there and you're it's surreal, and you know that this little woman is coming, trying to make peace mm. and tell people that you know I'm I'm particularly sorry. Mm. For what we all did. What we did. Mm. So anyway. Make a long story short. Went out. Sang. And they come up on the on the stage. And as she's walking up along. And I'm looking down at her. And this is true to God. My mother and her were born the same year. My mother was born in February. She was born in April. And I'm looking at her. And my mother wore, me, wore her hair like that. And my mom died at 69. Not a very healthy woman. God love her. But if she had been alive. She would have looked. as a photograph I have at home. My mom was 17. Hair the exact same. She didn't look unlike her. Mm. So she just reminded me of my mother.
4: Mm.
3: Now I got into trouble for saying this. I was mm. I I said this on you know loads of interviews when she died, and people said, "Well, just be grateful. Our son is not your doesn't remind you of your uncle." I just think people you know are begrudgers, and they've they've mm. they have. We all look. We know we all had trouble,
4: mm. and
3: we know that it was down to the English and stuff like that. But we're in a different era now, and we're trying to move on and get peace. You you know you can remember your past. You don't have to live in it. Mm. That's that's what I feel. But anyway. She walked up to me, this little woman. And I was told she'll only grip the top of your fingers. Well, she didn't with me. She took my hand fully. Now, I'm not a royalist by no Mm means. I am a Republican, and I believe in Ireland and the whole lot. Mm -hmm. But I felt very honoured to be standing there in history with this little lady Mm -hmm. who took my hand and gripped it and then asked me, has my life changed since the X Factor? And I said... How does she fucking know? Unless, obviously, the president had mm. told her. She was... Oh, look, I'd say she was well-warned and well-told. Mm. But she stood talking to me. I said, do you ever get to watch it, ma'am? And I wasn't sure what we were to call her, ma'am. Someone said she doesn't like being called ma'am. But listen, she's not my Wayne, so yeah. I was being as polite as I could possibly be. Mm. So I said, do you get to watch it? No, I don't, she said. It's too late for me. But, she said, sometimes... And she said it in the, the little voice that she has. Mm. Sometimes the boys may record it. And I, I do get to see a bit. I remember seeing yourself on it. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned Wagner. Okay. So she, like, he obviously stood out to everyone. Mm. And she just laughed. The, the man with the beard. And I said, oh, Wagner. Yes, yes, that's him, that's him. Mm. And I said, yeah, I said, it was great. I said, thank you very much for coming in. I said, I'm very honoured to be here. And she goes, I'm very honoured to meet you too. And walked to the next person. I just thought that was lovely. Like, she's not my queen. Mm you know if you want to go to religious things the queen air queen is in heaven mm. but she was a lovely woman and she was trying to reach across the water to her nearest neighbour to say mm. I'm sorry mm. for what happened and yet you know she wasn't to blame for what happened mm. you know so look you have some life Mary haven't you had well from 50 years of age mm. I have met so many stars I've met at the queen I've you know I've I've travelled so much. I've, I've sang on big, I've sang in the O2 in England. I've sang, I, I, you know, it's been, it's been a whirlwind mm. of a career. It hasn't been, I'm not an A-lister, but I don't want to be that. I'm a star in the people's hearts. Mm. And I love that because I am them. Mm. I'm no different to any of them. I just took a chance with a gift I was given. And it paid off. Thank God it paid off. No, wait till I was 50 for it to pay off. But I just hadn't got the courage when I was younger. I never... I mean, I used to go, in, go in to my local pub, The Lawns. It was called The Lawns. as Tim Young's now in Valley Ferma, And I'd get up and I'd sing a song. And I won more talent comp- t- competitions. But before I'd get up, I was sick. I was sick to the stomach. I was shaking. I couldn't... People were talking to me. I couldn't even hear what they were saying. I was that stressed.
2: Where did that come from?
3: I don't know. I Well, I... I, I suppose it comes from... You go back to my childhood... Um a lot of it my mum liked to drink. Now she was never falling all over the place, but mm. she liked to drink and she was a very lonely woman inside as well. So that came from her childhood. And if you go back to my era, to my mother's era, it they drink was a huge part of their societies. My mother my grandmother sold on a, a stall, you know, and after the stall they went for a glass of stew. Mm. And then the pub shut at ten o'clock at night. They went back to someone's house, and my mother grew up in that, and I grew up in that, because when I was young, the pub shut at ten o'clock still, mm. so there was always parties. Now they weren't. I wasn't sitting there sad at the parties; I was sitting there having a the great time. Mm. But I didn't realise that all that that atmosphere and and my mother getting more stronger on the drink was affecting me emotionally. Now it wasn't that she didn't love me. And my brother was a chronic alcoholic. Uh, he's a sober alcoholic now. 34 years. The day I handed to put Deborah in his arms, he stopped drinking. Did he? Yeah. I mean he just said, I can't do this for a young baby in the house and he started going to AA. And he praises AA to this day, and I praise them too. Because all he's gone through in the last thirty-four years he should have well, well went back on the drink. He's never touched one drop or had a relapse since that day. But that all came from what we lived in. Mm. We weren't ill treated, we were well fed, we were kept clean. But were we encouraged? Did my mother emotionally was she emotionally able to when she didn't have the emotion for herself? Mm -hmm. She wasn't a bad person. And I don't blame her now. I I now start my life. I I had to kind of say, well, look, yes, it started there. My mother carried her on to horse, which was us. I can't carry that on again because it's just like a vicious circle. Mm -hmm. So I try. And even now, if I have a glass of wine, Deborah nearly has a canary because she just she's frightened. She's frightened that, you know, I'll go down the same road. I say to her, I'm 62 now. My mother went down that when she was in her 20s. For God's sake, give me a break. Mm. You know, I'm I'm aware of it constantly, which is a pain in the butt when you're out having a great night and you say, Mm. I, I better not cut too far with this now. And I'm always watching that elastic band. My brother calls it an elastic band. That it just takes one trip and that band is broken and you're on the other side. So I can't go down that road. Back in lockdown there, I had the last... Not, not in October. Going back to the second lockdown that started after last... Not last Christmas, Christmas before. I, I hit the drink like there was no tomorrow. I was sitting in the house I had nothing else to do. The weight went back on. I was lonely. I felt there's no work coming in. What's going to happen? I was getting the PUP money, which was, what, 250? Mm. I, I was living up my savings. Things were going downhill. I panicked. Like most people, I panicked. And I actually thought I was going around the twist. So... But I remember... Having to stop. I remember one night saying, "You yeah, can't keep doing this. This is ridiculous. You are going down the same path that all, that your family went down, and you promised yourself you wouldn't do it." And then, for some strange reason, Ray Darcy asked me to go on to do some something on his. And I said, "Yeah, I'd go." And when I got in there, I never spoke about what he asked me to go in. I just automatically it was like therapy. I opened up to Ray Darcy, and the, the, the guy was crying. I love Ray. Ray mm. is one of the nicest guys you've ever met. And I could see the tears in his eyes because he felt sorry for me. And more or less saying, God, all the fighting you're doing and lockdown turns you to this. Mm. You know, but since then, I mean, I've got myself together and I see a counsellor, I, I I talk, I have me me moments of whinging. But I think I've become a lot stronger be- since the lockdown shit. Excuse the language. On, mm. on I've become a lot stronger in me. And then other things happened as well that Open my eyes, and I sit back now at nighttime, and I go, "Hang on a second here. You're worth more than this. You're not the no. You, you don't deserve to be, you know, made feel any different to anybody else." And I believe that every day, and I have to wake up every day and do that. Who's
2: making you feel like that?
3: Just certain things in life, and certain people try it. You know, maybe they were having bad times in their lives. I don't know, but I will not let anybody bring me down again ever as long as i live i am worth the person i am and i'm a good person and i've got a lot to give Mm. and you know if you don't want to be with me walk away just don't make me feel like crap
2: isn't it mad that like i I, and i always uh, say this when i do conversations things like that come up like we some people like say just walk away yeah walk away from me yeah just go
3: yeah, I mean, I, I, I should have done the walking away as well, but I was too afraid and too attached and too hurt and all that kind of thing. And the casting is, you know, I still care. Mm. Um, but I think, I think I'm think i stronger than... If I'd have walked away, I think... I don't think I'd have felt as strong as I feel now mm. because I would have walked away and hid me head mm. and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stand stand tall, and say, you know, whatever happens, look at me now. Look at where I am, and who I'm becoming. Mm. I'm now becoming. It's gas. I'm 62, and I'm only becoming the person I should have been many years. I always was that person, mm. and I knew I had strength in me. Mm. But it, it just takes whether it takes years or a certain time in your life, for you to realize. You you, I look at other people, and they're saying I. Oh, he t- he did. He said this to me and and I feel like that and I'm going you're worth 20 of those people that are saying these things do not let that drag you down stand up in your own head even mm. and tell yourself each morning thanks to whoever's out in the universe for getting you up this morning today is a good day and if it's a bad day I'll sit for a few minutes and then I'll go for a walk and that's it's just little things
2: see but, but you've endured you've endured yeah and you've and that's where your strength comes from your endurance
3: yeah I suppose so and I I, th- I think my mother Lord have mercy on her, us, she used to always why she always when she was sick i get dragged out of work nobody else in the house she'd say to me daddy go, get, get married get married get married I was our youngest um, I was very open you see the rest of my family I would talk about periods I mean going back to when I was 18 and 19 you didn't do that no when I mean, you're going back into the the, the 70s mm-hmm. 79 mm-hmm. you know Actually, yeah, seventy nine, eighteen, seventy eight. Um, but I would, I would say to my mum, "Have me period." She "The bias And I said, "Oh, for God's sake!" And I, you know, all right, you know, I talked to her about the change because she'd be sitting the thing and she'd be sweating. I said, "What's wrong with you?" Ah, thing women go through. And then I found out that it was the change of life. And mm. but she wouldn't talk to anybody. I and mean, my sister was the exact same. God lover. She would. not But I used to talk. I, mean, I used to see them getting embarrassed. I used to actually see them getting very embarrassed because I was very open, very open with my father as well because when I had my periods. But the gas thing about my dad was, he'd know when I had them mm. and he'd bring me up a cup of tea and a hot water bottle. And my mother'd say, I'll do that then. I'd say, I'm only giving the girl; She's a pain in her stomach. He knew exactly what was, what was wrong. So I, I was very open. And I think some people would say, you were probably before your time. Mm. And I was always, I was a, a rebel. I mean, I ran away from home when I was 16. And um, I went to live with a guy called Brian McCabe, got engaged, we were to be married. Three weeks before the wedding I decided to take we, we split and I decided to take the well, he said to me, take the honeymoon money and go off with your friends, I off to Spain. The morning of the wedding I'm lying in the bedroom, fast asleep and I'm a Hangover. Um I heard the door and um, my mother talking and I heard this man saying, Um, I'm Father Walsh, who turned out to be a pedophile by the way. So I'm glad I didn't let him marry me. Mm. Um Mary, what time is, you know, can I speak to Mary about the wedding today? I forgot to, to cancel the church. <laughs> and all the flowers No, all were sent the church. Fuck oh off. I, I swear to God on my <clears throat> mother, it's in heaven. And I always remember him running up the stairs to me. She was, she was very thin. And she goes, see you, could you not have canceled the church? That priest, well, be all the time, he was a great priest. Yeah. That priest knocking at my door, I'm mortified. I, oh, I'm sorry, I have a dime rang over. <clears throat> and why wrong. did
2: that relationship break down?
3: Well, I met Brian when I was 16. I started in a place called CB Packaging in Clondalkin, which made all the big paper bags for cement and stuff like that. And I met him there. And I was very naive. He was my first real boyfriend. He was six years older than me. Mm-hmm. But I do remember him saying to me, you know, the day he asked me to get engaged, I was 18. And I, ha- I remember him saying to me when I said, yes, um, you know, I have a funny feeling you're going to outgrow me. And I, I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I was your first boyfriend. First lover. Mm-hmm. I mean lost virginity at the age of seventeen and a half and a half to him god. so we we won a Datsun 120 four door for 50p in the Priory in Talla. I'll never forget it <laughs> and we sold it and we bought a house in Springfield for 6,000
2: oh my god isn't it crazy
3: yeah you're, you're going back to the 70s now yeah. at this stage um, and I went to live with him and I loved Brian. Yeah. Brian Brian was a good man he was very good to me and the whole lot but as I got older, as I reached hitting twenty, I didn't, I didn't want to be living there. I loved him, but I didn't love him in that way, and I don't think he did either. Mm. I think we had both outgrown each other, and he knew I was venturing on. He knew I was venturing on, so I, I, I we broke up, and I, and I left, and that's when the the lesbian relationship happened. So. Um, wonderful I have a,
2: a great life God bless me do you want to tell me a bit <laughs> I want to drink have a glass of wine
3: are we on telly cheers cheers I know the state of me on that um, part, state of us all, innit? Oh. but anyway you want uh, tell me uh, about yeah that? I mean when, when, I was, when I was with Brian I met a girl i walked with a girl in CP packaging and we both became friends now I didn't know she was gay I just liked her as a friend and we started going. I was engaged at the time and the whole lot. So the year, be- the about six months before my 24th, um, I was breaking up with Brian and she said she'd love to go to America and I said, oh God, so would I. So we started saving and off we went to the States and I don't know, I can't give you a time or when, I just remember it happened and I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I liked it at the time. I'm not not gay. Mm. I thought I was. Mm. Oh, I thought I was the biggest gay woman (laughs) in the world, you know what I mean? (laughs) But she knew I wasn't. Mm. But she was what I needed Mm. after coming out of a five-year relationship. That wasn't bad, but she was fresh, and I had felt stale. Okay. And I don't regret it to this day. I literally do not regret meeting that woman and having that relationship it was beautiful. It opened my horizons even more. So I can walk down the street and I can look at a woman and if she's beautiful, I'd say, oh, she is absolutely stunning. Mm. You know, but that doesn't mean, oh, she's absolutely stunning, I fancy her. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And I say the same Just about appreciation. Ben. I I have got, the appreciation mm. that I have got inside me because of that relationship and because of the relationship with, with the my, the Brian, I think my my horizons opened even more.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, so... People say, do you ever regret? No, I don't. And I Why don't, would you? I don't care if anyone slags me yeah. or anybody says that to me. I, it was the best time I started. I travelled to America. I went to work on the kibbutz. And I was still partners with her on the kibbutz. And we broke up on the kibbutz mm. when I met Dave. What's kibbutz? Kibbutz is um, a community in Israel. And they, they're a community of, they call themselves the kibbutniks. They're a group of Jewish people who run these, they Sometimes built on mountains and they do grapefruits. And the one I was in was called Kabutskava. And I used to work in the drill factory. I used to pick the grapes. I used to work in the kitchens. Where? In Israel. What? Yeah. Back in... When when did you go to Israel? I worked in Israel for a year. And then I travelled Europe. Backpacked around Europe with about six of us. To Turkey, to Istanbul. All that type of stuff. Did all that for two years. Yeah. After, like... I wonder like your, your, like your horizons because
2: like you travelled the world you became yeah. educa- ed- educated you're it, it
3: was, it. I left school at 12 mm. um, not great at spelling I can mm. read mm. but my real education came from life itself mm. from leaving school at 12 I'm working in Belinda's plastic knickers around the corner from me on <laughs> Kylemore Road at the age of 12 and a half mm. and they thought I was 15 and my first pay pack was two pounds, two old pounds, mm. and I remember giving my mother the money, and she handed me back a fifty shilling note, and that was my wages for the week, you know. So, and then, then I walked, I walked, all oh, I walked in Milky Milkymins, I walked in Lee Marks, I walked, I walked in all of them shoe factories, mm. you name it. And I was, a... Tra- my mother always called, said I had a gypsy in me heart, mm. and I tell you, I hope that gypsy says there forever because I'm still travelling, I'm still broadening my horizons, and I have, I have a, I suppose. A lot of people, I mean, I have loads of gay friends. Mm. I have loads of straight friends. I have loads of women friends and I have loads of male friends. So, and I can talk to each of them about different things. I suppose because I was out in the world mm. and, I, and I became open minded. Yeah. And if, the, if we could all become open minded and open our hearts at the same time, the world would be a hell of a lot better and we wouldn't have prejudice and we wouldn't have all that, that mm. crap going on. That's just who I am. Now, I don't turn around. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm great, because, listen, I'm as mad as I, I can march hair, But I do have an open mind and an open heart. And I can take criticism, and sometimes it hurts. And sometimes I just say, well, you know, if I didn't take get criticism. Mm.
0: You know, so
3: I think going out into the world opened my whole life up mm. to me. That's what I needed. Because school, I was just the laziest bitch in school. So The teacher used to say to me, without, you know, why... Does she sit looking out the window? I was sitting looking for my mother to come.
4: Mm.
3: And it'd be about 12 o'clock. I was going to go to the school. And I was sitting wait I'm watching to make sure she'd come to the gate and pick me up. And and yet, I was out of school, sick. I, I think I said very bad kidney infection. I ended up in Cherry Orchard Hospital in, in Valley Verma which was for all that type of stuff at the mm. time. And I was in for a full week and I went back to school. And I remember walking in and the nun giving me two sheets of paper. Right, there's your test. I hadn't practiced for any of that. But I got that test. I got top marks in my test. And I left school then and I couldn't, I just stopped, I stopped learning to spell.
4: Mm.
3: I used to lear- I kept me reading going by reading the Bunty and all those my ca- cartoon mm. comics. That's how I kept, but the spelling just went out the window. Just went out the bloody window. But I've got through life. I've, you know.
2: And tell me about this kibbutz, so you're on
3: a bloody mountain. <laughs> Sounds mad that you're on a mountain. I wasn't on a mountain. We had a big swimming pool and all and their things. There are the other ones that are built by the beach and um, they would do all different fruits and stuff like that. We were in, I'm trying to remember which way it was. We were kind of in the centre mm. and up that way about say 10 miles was a little town and that way was back into Jerusalem. So we were kind of in the centre and it was a big, it was a compound. It was, there was lovely houses in it. There was families. There was fresh. cult maybe? No. There's loads of them all over. It's, it's just, okay. they, they, I don't know if they're, the actual thing we went on was called Project 67. And you had to apply to England for it. We applied and we flew from Dublin to Luton and then Luton.
0: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare.
3: to Tel Aviv and we we met up with a man called Lustig right who turned out to be very lusty God bless him <laughs> not with me now but you know I could see him with a few yeah. girls yeah. but he was married and he had a lovely family and we used to go and look after the kids and the kids couldn't understand well the kids could speak better English than we could mm. but we sometimes I was brought in to the creches just to sit with the kids and play with little blocks and stuff like that but they only pick certain people for that and there was only four of us in the 32 people that were volunteers on this kibbutz that were brought in that they trusted enough to bring into their homes to look after their children. So we were very honoured. And then they wanted us, they wanted to send me to music school because they heard me singing. Mm. So, in other words, they, were trying, they, they would adopt you and pay a certain amount of money for you to go to school in your country. Yeah. And then you'd come back and learn Hebrew and look after their children for a year while they went to the army. That's what they used to do. Something similar to that now. I'm not sure if that's the full... Did your mother up. let you go? Well, I was 22. She couldn't stop me. Well, 21. She, could, she didn't stop me. I mean, back in them days, you didn't. I mean, I remember going to America and your man asked me in America, me and Deborah, they were their backpacks on, and we said, we said, what part of the state are you from? And I said, we're from Ireland. Oh, your parents are with you? And I said, no. You you what? You you, you two young girls are travelling around America on a greyhound bus with your... And I said, yeah. And he says, oh, my God, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. It's dangerous, dangerous. But we were very lucky. Apart from the time we came back from Vegas and got off the Greyhound bus in New York. And this guy approached us and started talking real funny to us. And I'm going, what the heck? And he said, my name is something Mooney. And this is something Mooney. And I said, oh, my God. And we had heard about the Moonies before we went. They were oh. a cult. And they invited us to dinner, gave us their thing. And we said, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd meet. You. We knew exactly what they were up to. We ran. We made a beeline for the Force motel and stayed in that for the night. Afraid of our like we run away home. And anyway, this was after a year traveling in America. These were trying to, and you'd see them stopping all the young people coming through with the backpacks. And this is how they used to recruit them into their into their cults. I don't know if that still happens now. I don't. Know I if can it's imagine cults. it does. Yeah, but it was it was frightening because we had we knew. I, I you know as soon as they heard their accent, you say, "Where are you from?" You said Ireland. Oh, and they looked as if and said, "Oh, we've got you know, we've got fresh food here, fresh chicken here." Because they didn't think we knew, but we had seen it on the news about all them cults and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was scary. I was mean, scared. A lot of things happened when I was. like Jason, I'm not joking. You. I should be dead by now. Yeah. All the stuff that I went through. Oh, I, tell I had you, a
2: mad life. You had a mad life.
3: I had a mad life. I left, I ran away. As I said, I ran away from home at sixteen and didn't see my mother for a year. God, love her. I put them through terrible hell, but I came back and apologized. And where were you? Uh, I walked in CB Packaging. I ran away. And I went to live with Brian's family. Think,
2: where the fuck did Brian live? Tell her. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but his family were beautiful. And then, you see, oh. that's when I was travelling. Fucking tell it, baby. I ran away, didn't I? I mean, at that time, there wasn't many buses going on. <laughs> it was like the country up there. I can mm. I ask you? You've mentioned them, but where was your dad at all of this? Ah, my poor dad. My dad was a very hard-working man. He he came from a very well, well-to-do well family. And uh, so did my mother. Well, me, not me, mother, so did his mother. Mm. But my dad was the rock of the family. My mum was the one we all turned to for, you know, I suppose, reaching out for affection. Mm. She was loving. She'd kiss us, but she did have, as I said, she, she had her own issues. My dad would not have a word said about against her. He went to work and he worked six days a week and he'd come home with his wages unopened and it was handed to my mother. And I always remember she used to a little blue slip out at them times. You know, it was like a, a blue piece of paper mm. with all of the hours on it. And then she'd give him the price of his pints at the weekend to go for his pint. That was it. He worked hard. And even during the summer and his holidays, he'd go and work in the RDS. So he, he was a hard-working man, but me and my dad got on very well. And he loved country music. So I was the only one that would listen to country music with him on a Sunday afternoon, which was a treble TR, a radio station that we had here years ago. And it played American and Irish country. So I used to listen to him. And he had a transistor radio with one little ear thing. <laughs> and he'd put it in and then he'd say, listen to this song. And he put it up because my mum said, like, say, turn it off, crap. Mm, you know. Yeah, no, he was good. I, I got on very well with me dad. I'm, I was so close to my father that when my mother died, he clung to me. He clung to me. He went everywhere. He used to wait for me outside the shop on his walking sticks and I'd bring him for a couple of pints and then I'd bring him home to Willie and then I'd go up to my place and yeah, I miss him terrible. I really do. He died in 2004. My mum died in 1995 and he died in 2004 and we got to say goodbye to him. Did you? I got to speak to him, yeah. I was the last one to see him with his eyes open which I'm glad because we were very close, me and him. But he was, he was a hard he was a hard worker. I mean I remember him going out in the snow tick on the ground pushing his push bike and he always said you know if Mammy had left me with the money we'd be a very wealthy family which he was great with money Mm. she wasn't Mm. she was crap with money crap with it I mean I can remember the lights being cut off and at the time we had the the old fireplaces where you had the two rings that went in on the fire Mm. I mean I'm cooking dinner on that and we was sitting around by the light of the fire and a few candles and me dad tell us all haunted stories and stuff like that but So then I remember coming home from work one day and my me dad meeting me on the bike saying, don't get afraid when you go around. And I said, why, what's wrong? And he said, the corporation are outside. And I said, "Why? what are you doing outside? So in I goes to the house and all the bags were packed. And I says, what the fuck's going on? And she was in arrears. But she had gone to a, 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 a TD called Thomas McGillah. He was a well-known TD in, in Ballyferm at the time. And they... She, he had made arrangements but hadn't filtered down into the corporal. Right. Um, so they came to evict us and next thing, Thomas McGillard drives up in a, a car and says, you're at the wrong house, you're at the wrong house. Everyone's out on the road watching. Yeah. And I, do you know what? I wasn't embarrassed. No. I wasn't embarrassed because I knew, I knew she was crap with money. Mm. Who I felt sorry for, I felt sorry for my mother, but I felt sorry for my dad because he was walking all the hours God sent him. I my mean, poor Elwyn, couldn't she just couldn't handle the money. Was she drinking it? No, not at that time. Mm. Not at that time. She well, I suppose holding me Aunt Mary, her sister, would go for the shopping and end up in Hardy's. Right. And have a couple of glasses of things. She just wasn't bothering going around paying the rent. Mm. I mean, she always had few bob.
4: Mm. She just I
3: don't I, I I suppose she was a little bit the drinking. Yeah, I suppose it was going to the pub of a of an afternoon and but she mm. always came home Made sure my daddy had his dinner, we all were fed. But and then they'd go out again that night or something like that but it was when she starts sitting in the house is when she hit the drink she starts to stop going out mm. and she starts sitting in the house and that's when I see my dad kind of kind of feel I, I, I kind of feel she broke him at that stage but he still wouldn't allow anybody to say anything about her because he, he, it was hurting him that she wouldn't go out with him anymore she wouldn't, she wouldn't venture to the door she became she just wanted to stay in she didn't want people to see her so she'd have her whiskey beside her and her glasses too wasn't Why? It? did you not want people to see her. She, our insecurity, she just became my brother's the same at the moment. He's, he's mm. all over the place. His paranoia is. Thin- and they're very like him and her. Mm. Very like. And thank God I do have tendency to have depression, but I'm more like my father. I I try to keep strong and I try to look at the positive side of life. Mm. Sometimes I go down, mm. sometimes I don't. But I just believe laughter is the best medicine. And my me dad was like that. Mm. He'd had me in stitches of laughing. He'd laugh to himself even. If he felt himself going down. Mm. And he'd see him on the bed. And I'd say. Why are you laughing? I, I don't know. You just laugh. You know. And it, it just. Yeah. It broke my dad. When she stopped going out. And she just went into herself. She just. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Because when you speak to her. She wouldn't tell you the truth. She'd tell you she was all right.
4: Mm.
3: You know. She wouldn't tell you. She wouldn't open up to me. And I tried. She opened up a few. A few little things to me. But the things I wanted to know. I wanted her to open up. She wouldn't. I mean, my sister wouldn't have asked her anything like that. Mm. I, I was always the one that would go over and say, look, ma, what's wrong with you tell mm-hmm. me? And she'd sit and she'd cry and then she'd look at me and she'd say, I'm grand, I'm grand, I'm grand. But I, I knew she wasn't. I mean, Even my brother today now would, would say, you know, poor ma'am. Mm. She was so lost in herself. Mm. Did you ever get of answers off her? No, the only answer I ever got off was she felt lonely and she didn't know why. She did not know why she felt empty and Mr. Mammy. And she was sixty odd, and and she missed her mother. And I think what was wrong was she was, the drink wasn't helping. That's being totally honest mm. with you. I mean that was it was di- dimming her brain, so she was living in the past. And then she didn't want me to leave her, and she didn't want Willie to leave her, and, and, yeah, she just felt she just felt lonely. And I don't know, why that was there, but it obviously had something to do with her childhood. And mm. because um, when she'd say she felt lonely, she'd say, "I miss me mammy. Mm. and I'd say. But ma, your mummy's dead, over 40. Yeah, but I just have an emptiness inside me I can't feel. So that's basically what she was going through. And, and that's true to so many people, yeah, maybe.
2: Yeah. I had a girl here two weeks ago, Orla, and she lost her brother to suicide, and her mum and her dad, within 10 months, she lost a three of them. Bless us. And she, like she said, her mum died the day the brother died, the yeah. day her brother Stuart yeah. died. And she is like, I just want my mummy. Yeah. And she's yeah. the same age as me at 40, like, and she was like, I just want, and
3: Orla will always just want her mummy. Yeah, but the funny thing is, I mean, my mum dead night, night five. And when I feel unwell, I still want my mummy. But I still want my daddy too, because mm. I had two of them mm. who I was close to. I don't think you ever, ever, as as a child, mm. you know, people say, oh, now, I'm sweating to death here, by the way. That's why I'm just rubbing myself out. Should they you, want tissue? Do you want tissue? Not grand. <laughs> um, I don't think you ever stop being a child mm-hmm. and needing your parents. Mm. I think you always mm. need your parents. Um, unfortunately, when they die, you become an orphan. But you just have to grow and, and get on with it. Mm. My sister, when she lost her husband, I think the day he died, she died with him. I mean, he died in 2011. The year after the X-Factor. And he was so proud of me on the X-Factor. And he died of lung cancer. And she just went downhill. She's now 73, 74. And she's in a home. Because her mind went, yeah. Jordan, Jordan locked down last year. That's why I think I took an awful lot of
4: yeah.
3: breakdowns. Yeah. Because Jordan lockdown. down. She, she just went very funny. She, what happened was we, we brought her down to um, British Bay. And we stayed in a lovely house. And we woke up one morning. She was staying in the room with me. And I woke up one morning and I went out to uh, our, our daughter, Elaine. And I said to her, where's your ma? She's in bed. I said, she's not in bed. So we searched the house. She was gone. She was at the getting up, finding the kids. No shoes on her. A coat over her thing. And went off. We searched the whole. We were staying in a lovely little gated place. To make a long story short, we, you know, we thought she was, she was gone to the sea yeah. and drowned herself. But <clears throat> we started putting her out on Facebook and Joe Duffy's thing. Um, no, I'm telling you a lie. I'm telling you a lie. Uh, we started putting her out on Facebook and the next thing, my other niece, Diana, her daughter, our eldest daughter, was at home in Tala. And she rang Elaine. And she says, why why are you panicking over mum? Me? I mean, she's here. In, she, she's in the house. She, what had happened, Right. A young man was coming out at six o'clock in the morning to see some sort of a meteor shower and was opening the gate and Betty's started walking out the gate and he says, So oh, where are you going, ma'am? She said, I'm going home, I'm going home to tell her." and he knew something was wrong. And he thought she was at having a domestic. Yeah. So he offered felt sorry for her, offered to give her a lift. He drove her from Wicklow Oh my God to Tallaght. Watched her when he bought her a coffee and a chocolate bar, a tea and a chocolate on the way home. Dropped her in there. He could have been a rapist. Yeah. Dropped her into the house. She said thank you and went in, locked the door. And he headed back to the thing So we discovered Betty was fine, but we couldn't find out. Mimi said some man brought her home, so we put a search out and Joe Duffy's came on and I was talking to them, yeah. and we found the man. He was actually in the place we were staying. And he didn't want to go on the radio. Yeah. So we bought him champagne and stuff and he came around to us and he says, I just felt sorry for her. He said, I didn't realise her mind was gone, he said. And now that you're telling me, she was talking about her husband being in the army and she was going right back. Oh God. He said, we had a great conversation all the way home, he said, and she was wide awake.
4: Yeah.
3: And he said, I said, said, I'm sorry for you. I said, not at all. I said, I'm glad you picked her up. Mm. I mean, you didn't know where she was staying. Mm. I'm glad you brought her home. But we knew then that... But she only went like that after Liam died. She just, her whole mind went.
4: Were
2: you terrified when you when you yes. realized she wasn't? It was dead? the most
3: horrible feeling, and it was like it was like losing a child. It was like your child gone missing. And me and Betty are the only two girls in the in the whole fa- in the family. Yeah. And she's she was my rock. Up you know she's not now. God love her because she can't. But she does ask for me now and then, and I get up to see her when I can. Um, yeah, it was the scariest thing I ever went through in my life, and watching whole kids panic. And the tears in the, the grand, the, her grandkids' face, thinking that nanny was gone. Oh my God. It was a horrible feeling. Horrible. But we got our back up yeah. anyway.
2: Because when you see all these things about people missing, and then, you know, sometimes it's a good news story, sometimes it's a terrible news story.
3: Jesus Christ. We were expecting the bad news story because we went out to the beach the day before and there was a poster up on the polls, mm. this lady who's gone missing. And the first thing Elaine said to me, oh Mary, maybe she's going to be like that woman that went missing and never came back. They never found this woman. Oh my so, God. So, and that's what went through all our heads. And it was just by someone praying for her. Someone with her on that day. And that's the way I believe. I believe Liam was with her. My mm-hmm. mother was with her. And that gentleman came along and, thinking he was doing the good thing, brought her home to Tala. Drove from Wicklow to Tala. Oh my God. To bring her home right outside their
2: door. And she knew exactly where she was gone. How kind of him. Yeah. Because as you said, he could have been anyone. He could have just left her there. He could have brought her, but he brought her home because he just knew that she See, was she in couldn't so much get out distress. The until
3: someone opened it. And when, she, when he opened it, she, he kind of looked and he said he knew something was wrong, but he, he didn't realise that she was...
2: Because when you were on the stage with me and you said that you had that breakdown, you talked about going across to the pharmacy to the lady yeah. who saved you. Yeah. You know, and helped you that day. I did wonder, where has this come from? Like, where did this... And like, I was like, it's not just, and I know, God, I know Carl Broderick was in an awful state. And as much as us and travel, lockdown
3: was horrific for it us, was. you know what yeah. I mean? But for you guys, when yeah. you couldn't perform. Yeah. And, and the fact that that was all happening as well with the sister. Mm. Um, so I think that's why that particular day that I was going to, I don't even know if I was going to do anything.
2: Do you want I to tell just, people what happened that day? Just because
3: it, well, it was, it was a build-up from from the time my sister was printed of the home and the whole lot. And I was just, I was sitting there going, you know, this just can't be happening. I had no work. Well, mm. Nobody had any work. Mm. We were all locked down. It was people suffering more than me. Mm. But for me, as pers- my personal story was that I, I hit the bottle. Because I would nothing else. I mean, you get a bottle of wine for a six euro in Aldi's mm. or something like that. And it seemed to be my only friend at the time. And I, I started drinking. Then Betty, then... No, after I was told Betty was going into a home so that was on my head and then I was I was told we're going into another lockdown and because I suffer with depression I allowed it all to take its toll on me mm-hmm. so on this particular day after weeks of Betty being put into the home and I'm sitting there going my family's falling around me there's no work we're never going to get back so I allowed the demons climb right in mm-hmm. and dig the biggest hole they could dig and this particular day My daughter had gone jogging. I put on my coat. I said, I'm going for a walk. To myself. Walked down the road. The thing that came into my head was Chapel Lizard, the river. Now, I don't know if I had in my head to jump into the river. But the river sounded calming. That's what was in my head. If I can get to the river, all this pain will stop. And I'm walking down Lafanya Road. And I got to the traffic lights and I spotted, I looked over at the chemist. Mm. And it was like some switched to me head. And I went, what the hell am I doing? And I walked over to the chemist. Now, I remember, I was changing tablets as well at the stage. Mm. My antidepressant tablets. I was swapping mm-hmm. from one to another, which I shouldn't mm. have done. Mm. So it was a combination of all that was going yeah. on, no work, switching mm. tablets. Over to the chemist, I went and I spotted Ramona. This beautiful girl standing up at the counter. And she says, can I help you And I Just burst into tears. And she says, oh Mary. She realised who I was and brought me into the room. Set me down, got me tea. Listened to me for a half an hour. Blubbering. I had no idea what I was saying to the girl. I was blubbering. And all I kept saying was the river, the river. And she kept saying, oh my God, Mary, hang on a second. Hang on a second. So she got one of the other girls, another woman I know there, Margaret, came in and stood beside me. She went out, rang the doctor, who's only down the road. And the doctor says, bring her in to me. So I went into the doctor. But as I left that girl, I remember feeling an overwhelming power of love for that person. Because if she hadn't been there,
4: mm-hmm.
3: would I have walked back out? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was her kindness as well. And her gentleness, she was very gentle with me. Mm-hmm. And listened. Didn't try to give me advice. Just said, you'll be all right. We'll sort this out. We'll get you to the doctor. And that's what happened into the doctor. I was in there for a half an hour crying me hard too. She said to me, oh, get off them. And she put me back onto my own ones. And she drove me home. No, I went out and then Ramona drove me home in the car. The girl has left now. She left last week. So I sent her a big oh bunch God. of flowers and box of chocolates. But I still see her as an angel.
4: Mm.
3: I see whoever was helping me as I got to that corner turned me towards there and told me to go in that direction instead of that direction so over I went and she happened to be there was loads of people in the shop but she was the one I seen she was the one that took my hand and brought me back into the back row so you know it didn't solve all my problems but Mm. it made me realise what I was doing I couldn't believe it Mm. I remember sitting there on the chair about two days later going what in the name of God were you going to do with yourself It just, it was like, and all I kept thinking was the elastic band that Willie told me. Mm. You know, have you gone over that elastic band? But I hadn't. Mm. I was just feeling the crunch. Like everybody else, the first lockdown was great. We all got through it. Not a bother. Second lockdown, sister in a home. Starting to drink more. No walk. no gigs. Christmas might be banned again this year. It was, for everyone, it was a horrible time. There was people going through worse than I was going through, but for me, it was a mental torture because I suffer with depression in any way. And
2: your medicine, changing your medicine. I'm changing the just At the time, I decided
3: to change the medicine. Yeah. I thought I was as strong as an ox, Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it was just, you know, you... to this day, I listen to me doctor. Mm. She, I will listen to her and I will listen to me gut as well because me gut told me you were changing this medicine for what reason? You see the way I sweat Mm. from the back of my head. Mm. I kept thinking, it's the medication. It's the medication. Now, I've been thinking that for years. So I said to her, we'll just try a different medication. I said, I feel a lot stronger. Let's go on a lower medication, different one. It just didn't work. There was an emptiness inside me that I had not felt for over 20 years before I started taking my medication. That emptiness came back, that feeling of not belonging. Who the hell do you think you are?
2: Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Horrible. Mm.
3: Horrible. And dislike for the person that was in the mirror. Really? Yeah. Ugly. Who could even look at you? Now, I don't feel like that now. I, pres- ho- I hope no, I don't. don't. Well, Rob Murphy had battered me to death. Yeah. And I started feeling like that. Yeah. No, no. I've become, I've become a better person because of all of that. I'm not saying that I'm cured because I still take medication.
4: Mm.
3: I get me low days. But when those la- low days come, I let myself have a certain amount of time with that lowness. Sit in it. And then I get up, I get dressed, I get washed, I look in the mirror and I say, You're worthy of anything you're getting. Get the fuck out of this house. Mm. And I go for a walk across the field. Now, with the arthritis, I'm on two sticks walking across the field, but mm. I don't care. I don't care. People know I have arthritis. Who cares? They fucking know all my life now. Well, they know what I want them to
2: (laughs) (laughs) know, Because the thing is that, you know, in our circle,
3: like Alan, Carl, Rob, we idolize you. But the fun thing is I idolize all of you as well. And Mm. I know that you all have my back. Mm. And a lot of people would say, how, because they don't know. I know who has my back and who hasn't. Mm. And it took me, I suppose, to have little breakdowns and little stuff to realize who's there for me. And my my friends, I've got three friends at home, four friends at home, actually, I should say, who are with me since all their kids were born. And we go back, way back, and through the X Factor and the paps coming over to Ireland, asking silly questions, trying to find out who Deborah's father was. My friend stood by me. I said, get as much as you can, Mm. because they were coming (laughs) and paying money. And I said, "And tell them, oh, then. just mm. give them what you think. Mm. And I mean, they, they, they were making thousands and I was going, you mm. little fucks. But they stood by me. Mm. They they kept it. And the new group of friends now that I have, mm. yourself included, I mm. know you have me back. Mm. And I know that we're not bosom buddies. Mm. But I also know there are certain things I could trust you with. Mm. And that means a lot. That means a lot. I mean, Alan you is, oh, he's a maggot in his head at times. He really is. Mm. But he's kept me in the in the the light. He's you know he's helped me out in work and stuff like that. Mm. And Rob, mm. oh what can I say about mm. Rob? You know mm. those people who know him as Buffy. Yeah. You know I swear on my fur, <laughs> he he's just a good man. And and mm. I know he's always there for me. I remember when this was actually happening in present. he um sent me a huge bunch of flowers, mm. and I opened the door and and I said to the girl. Who's that for? I don't know. I have just asked to bring them down to you, Mary. So I brought them in. They opened up. And it was from Rob. Because mm-hmm. we had to listen to the thing on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I just I was so touched. It was just a bunch of players. I mean, I didn't even expect anyone to do that. But he was there for me. Mm-hmm. So I know Rob will always have me back. And Rob's a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know. And, you know, he's at all good people. I mean, we were away for them three days. We had a great time. A bunch of people who probably never mm-hmm. had ever been together in that close Mm. and there we were, as if we'd known each other for years. Mm. So that's a good sign of the characters you know we what I'm have. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell people the story? You can tell them wherever you want. I haven't shut talking, so it's uh, good time you start no. talking.
2: Uh, I'm sit- we're, So we're in Belfast, and anyone who knows, <laughs> you know where I'm going. Now. Yeah, <laughs> in Belfast, and we anyone who knows cruising you arrive in a port at a certain time and you get back on board for a certain time and me being the long time cruiser that i am i always take a photo of the back on board sign yeah so we're sitting there at a drinks reception the ship is leaving in 45 minutes and i just said where's mary born and rob said to me you should be a while because we're leaving at nine and i said no we're leaving a half fucking seven <laughs> So I sent a text message, no response. I said, you know what? I'll have to ring. And I rang Sandra's phone. Or did I ring your phone. You rang Sandra. And you answered it. Sand-
3: no, Sandra said, me a That's
2: it. And I went,
3: oh, where are you? We were just leaving. They were finishing our wine at that stage.
2: Mary, where are you?
3: <laughs> it was the panic in your voice that made
4: us laugh.
2: And I was sitting there like that at the boom, boom, boom of the music. And I said, oh, she's in a fucking pub. She <laughs> is in a pub. <laughs> So I says, I says, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm finished. We're on the way. We're on the way. We're on the I says, Mary, not nine o'clock. Mary half seven. We're leaving. This is like quarter, twenty to seven. Mary, how long will you be? Fifteen minutes. No, do you know what? The latest ten past seven. I was like, Mary, I need you here at seven. What well, kept your,
3: kept, your, your,
2: oh kept it your back? oh here we he was. Do you want me back? Do you want me back? So I went over to the to the team, and I said, we have a situation. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, what's wrong? I said, Mary Bourne's in a pub in the middle of Belfast and this ship is leaving in 40 minutes. <laughs> so the girl, Isla, lovely, and Mark, you know, Mark says, i ah, we be going with sort of, an Isla. I just looked at Isla and I said, no, just be honest with me. And she says, it's up to Captain. Captain will decide if we leave Mary behind <laughs> <laughs> or if we'll wait on Mary. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I went back and Rob Morphy said to me, good news story, if Mary Bourne misses he the did. boat. <laughs> they
0: and, were waiting on oh me to come Oh my on. God,
2: here I was. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And my legs were going, and oh my legs. And Paul was saying to me, you'd be grand, you'd be grand. And then Mark came over and said, have you got an ETA? And he was like, I don't have an ETA. And I was like, Mary, have we got an ETA? <laughs> and then he went and had a smoke, Paul Kelly, and he came back and he goes, she's here, she's here, she's <laughs> getting over taxi, she's getting... This as the blatant ropes are being pulled up, and the ship is is pulling away, and I was like, "Mary, and Rob, Murphy has that video, yeah,
3: yeah." yeah. I'm coming up the 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 gangplank, and I'm giving out murder I wouldn't have missed them. Why would I rather have about five glasses of wine? Why would I have? Ah, now went This is ridiculous. And next of all, I heard this is a man's world. (laughs) I look up, there's Rob. I was like, "Fuck off, you!"
2: But my oh. nerves were gone until I got oh. that text message from of that phone call from Paul. She's here, she's here, she's here. Yeah. I was like, thank God. I was like, how am I going to explain yeah. that Mary Bourne
3: would have been great publicity <laughs> it been for Mary great. Bourne? It been-
2: <laughs> it's, it's look- and then I was saying, because Isla was saying, will she travel to the next port? And I said, no, she'll go an hour and a half home to Dublin and she'll be grand. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean?
3: I was like, how am I going to do this? But we had a ball. We had a I, ball. I, when we came back, Rob said to me, he said, you know what? He said, the drama... He said, the day was quiet. He said, oh. you know, it was a kind of a dull yeah, day because yeah. it was just a day on the ship. But he said, Mary, the drama when you didn't turn up. He said, oh poor Rebecca. And I said, where is she? He said, she's gone to bed. And I said, why? He said, I, sto- I said, oh, Sandra, poor Rebecca is fucking not well because I'm not here.
2: And he said, here he asked me, I've never seen you so stressed in your life, babe. Yeah. I was like, yeah, because, babe, if she misses this, fly- <laughs> this ship, I was like, do you understand the Because She's missing the ship. I'm going to have to send security to our cabin to pack our bags <laughs> and get our bags off in Glasgow. I was like, seriously, so I was like, it's going to be all over. All the newspapers We get in. We'll ring Alan Hughes, get him to get on Ireland. And yeah, been it wouldn't be funny, though. It well, been, I,
3: I wouldn't. But you see, the thing was, while we were in the pub and you had rang we were just finishing off the wine. And I, Sandra was actually sitting there now with Sandra. Yeah. I said, Sandra, we have to go because I said, we'll be back on the ship by seven. Should I know, yeah. I said, it's 10 to seven. Now Sandra. <laughs> so she says, oh, right. So there was me and a group of fellas that we, we met when we were on a cruise last October. Yeah. And we were sitting there, a bunch of Northern Ireland fellas, yeah. and we're having a great crack with them. And I had to keep watching the thing because Sandra was in conversation to beat the band. Yeah. So I said to Barra, Barra was he's a weatherman from, on BBC in Northern Ireland, <laughs> can you ring a taxi? So he rang the taxi and she's still yapping and I said, I'm going to go outside and, see and I said, no taxi. So we had to leave the pub, walk down a road and here, and Barra panicked more than nothing else. Here he was, oh, sacred hearted Jesus, I'm not going to get you into a taxi. And I said, stop worrying, we get there, we get there. So we just snagged a, a taxi off the road. And your mum was brilliant, and he's pissing himself laughing. I said, Me, "Poor woman that runs it." I said, "Rebecca, she's up to her eyeballs." And here he is, our oh godlo. He's a bad bitch, and he <laughs> and he <booted laughs> around the place. But he got us
2: there at ten past. Because oh, then what happened was Isha, um eating she was she was two hours waiting on a taxi and she said to me what's wrong and I said because um, she could see and I said Mary Burns, Mary Bowles in Belfast and so poor Like I can't get on the ship I don't know what I'm going to do and she said uh, oh, we were two hours waiting on a taxi and here was Rob oh no Rob Murphy did you hear that Two, two hours. <laughs> she was wild. two hours waiting on a text. Oh Rebecca, two hours. Wild. Here I was oh Rob, please stop, will you stop? And He like, was making you worse. He was making me worse. Yeah. So no wonder I went to bed <laughs> sick with the <laughs> stomach. But right, I was, We
3: only woke up I we went in and went fast asleep. Twenty past twelve we woke up. Uh, and I looked at Sam. and I said, I want to go back. I said, to go get a <laughs> drink. The bar was shut and we went down. So I'm texting you, where are you, Rebecca? <laughs> Trying to, run and then was when we met Rob um. and he said you were fast. Asleep. And I said, oh God, I've been ringing that girl and everything, she'll fucking kill me tomorrow.
2: No, that was grad. I was just like, get her on board. So we did, and you'd sang. And like, as Shane put up today, I just said earlier on, Shane put up today about the chills. And what I love about you, and I'm not throwing flowers at you. Uh, well, I am. But, you know, I love watching the reaction of people. Yeah,
3: yeah. When you. A lot of people say that. Open your mouth. I love it. It was Mark's expression that caught me on that. Because yeah. he was the only one I could see in my eye line. Mm-hmm. And when I started Man's World. Mm-hmm. And the mic came down here. And I just seen Mark going, wow. Yeah. And I was about to laugh. I said, You're <laughs> singing the song. Don't laugh. Yeah. But he came over to me and I said, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I said, I tried to change that song so many times to sing it the way it should be sang. Yeah. Which is the original way. But I cannot do it. Because it's how I was taught to mm. sing it, and it is a big song.
2: And Rob was sitting there going, "Yeah," and they were all just everyone sitting there. It was just, it was and I was saying to them all, no, Move bones and Move bones and <laughs> Mary Moon I was like, "Will no, you come up?" And they were saying, "Can we, can we move up a little bit?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course you can move up." And then I was saying to the English guys um, and the Scottish girl, I, "I was like, have you ever heard her sing?" And they were like, "No." And I was like, "Wait, she sings." <laughs> and then I'm doing me little hands now. I know like, I was watching. Oh, it. I just absolutely adore you've just got this talent thank you very a God-given much. talent
3: yeah it's a gift from a gift I I, I hid under a bush for years of, of pure insecurity you know mm. and, and and self-doubt I mean, we all have it but I just took it to a different le- level that's never going to happen again I mean I'm acting now I'm can, tell me about that Oh well I think everybody has seen it I've been all over the television myself and Jake Carter and uh, Linda McCarty. And Nicole Bannam are going to be doing Dirty Dustin. Okay. We'd done it before lockdown twice. And we got standing ovations everywhere we went. Now, when I read the play, I didn't find it funny. <laughs> because it was English. Right. So when the producer took it and put in the Irish stuff. Okay. It made it more funnier. And on the day I was walking out, the first day I walked out, my legs... I'm carrying a Hoover and Joe Dolan is singing such a good looking woman. And we're walking out and my legs are like that. And I looked over at Linda and she's the same, but we put the thing, the, the crowd started clapping immediately. I put the, the thing down, the voices, we start talking, forgot half of our words, went, skipped about that much of the, the dialogue, but went on to the next one. So it went down so well that we tried to do it in lockdown and didn't work. Mm. So we now have it gone. And Jake is with us this time and it's going around the, the country. Uh, Started off with two nights in the... one night in the Pacific, which ended up two nights and then three nights. And the first two nights are sold out, and the second is selling like mad. Oh Where I've we're everywhere. We're Mullinger, we're, we're all over the place. We're six weeks traveling around the country, and it is selling like wildfire. And the, the, the thing about the play is, it's about three elderly ladies and one young man. The three elderly ladies are cleaners that work in this office block every weekend, and the the, the fella who is Jake Dave, he is. Kind of like an arrogant little
4: (laughs) Billix. That's the
3: only way I can put him. Mm. And he can't bear the fact that these three ladies, he he says they're they're the smell of piss off them and everything. (gasps) Oh, he gets his comeuppance. That's as far as I go. But we go in one weekend and we're told we're going to be let go because we're over 65. So we decide to get our revenge and we start a sex line. And the sex line, people will say a sex line, oh my God, it's going to be filthy. It's the innuendos. It's all mm. slapstick. Mm. And those, you know, we say something. We don't actually say the words, but the people know. Mm. And the laughter. And it's just, it's from the, the time we open our mouths to the time we finish. It's funny. It's funny for them. Mm. We're standing there trying to remember our lines, but, mm. <laughs> that's mm. point. but it's a great old play. And it was written by English writers. um, And that we took it, well, we I didn't take it. The producer took it and wrote it. To suit the, the Irish mm. market. And it's going down well. Now it's still traveling England, it's still doing doing the UK. Mm. So we do it around Ireland, which we didn't think it'd work in Ireland. Mm. But by God, we were wrong. And now that lockdown is over, people are crying out for a mm. bit of laugh. Now there's so much happening, as you know yourself. I mean that the market was saturated with all the yeah the government grants and people are doing this show and that show. there was too many. People didn't know what to go to. But thanks be to God. At the time we're doing it, which starts, I think, the 19th of October, not too sure. And it finishes the 2nd or 3rd of December. People are actually going for this because they've done all the music bits. Now they want to see Mary Mm. Bourne make a eejit of herself on stage. (laughs) And Jake Carter get his up and
4: and that's what's going to
3: happen. And I'm really looking forward to it. The Mm. only problem is, like, I know all the, the dialogue, but I'm trying, I just cannot seem to get my head around the book again. I know the beginning of her off by heart, mm. the middle I'm a bit shaky, and the end I haven't got a clue. <laughs> so I start rehearsals on Monday. Oh my God. And I have to be off my book. I don't think I'll be off the book. Mm. But listen, I'll have it there just to throw back on. But by the end of the first week, mm. because we will have done it so many times, yeah, all of it will come back to yeah. us. And now I'm actually feeling Elsie. I'm Elsie in it. Right. I'm beginning to realise who Elsie is. It took me two shows to this show to realise that Elsie's a feisty woman we're heart of jelly God. that's who she is but mm. she's a character and of course she's slept around and she's had her days <laughs> and but she's all melt as well you know Right. so no it's great it's going to be great and then I've got the panto in Longford which starts I think the 19th of December Right. straight from the play I go into rehearsals oh. for the panto Do we're, we're in the panto up until what show is it? it's called Billy and the Beanstalk okay and it's um it's in Longford it's Jerry who used to work with Alan Carroll yes. backstage mm. used to be the, he was the stage manager mm. he, it's, he's a partner in it now and he puts like we it's in a big school hall in Longford right and you think a school hall yeah but whatever they do to that stage and the sound system we have and the lighting it just it's so professional it's incredible the only problem i have is they have four steps up to the stage and I have arthritis yeah. and I have to go up there with a big bloody dress on me oh, and God. be a fairy again. I'm sick of being a fairy. <laughs> I that's said fair. to Jerry, if you do not put me in a something evil the year after next, yeah. I am not coming back. Yeah. He said, oh. you can't be evil because you're merely born. I said, the people want to see the quality of acting Oh, I I'd do. love that. <laughs> oh, I'd love to be the Wicked yeah. Queen or something yeah. and just let me oh, out <laughs> and sing all the evil songs. <laughs> that's what I'd like to do.
2: So Mary, what does, I know it's like, but what does the future hold for you and how are you today?
3: Well, first of all, today I am in a much better place than I was. Um, I have my battles, but I don't let the demons
4: Mm.
3: in anymore. Well, look, they're always there, Mm. but I can't live with them. So I have to keep throwing them out every so often. They're evicted every morning, evicted Mm. every morning. But I still battle, but I'm in a hell of a lot better. And I actually now believe in me. Mm. And it's taken a long time for that to happen. So... When you start to believe in you, you start to like you and then you start to love you. And you can't love anybody else unless you can love you. I've learned that. I've heard people say it. I never knew what they meant until now. So I like who I am. I'm a good person. And I would not hurt a fly. And I'm going to carry on being that person. Yes, I'll have my ups and downs. And I'll have my little breaks. But I will not let the, de- the demons live with me forever. I they live with me forever but I can't let them you know, lodge there.
4: Yeah. They, yeah.
3: have, they can stay around. I don't care where they are, mm. as long as they're not in there. Mm. So that's where I am at the moment. I'm I'm in a much stronger place than I ever was. And for the future, there's lots of things happening. There's lots of stuff coming up. I'm doing a country album. I have a friend of mine who is going to put the money up for me to do this album. And I'm going to do my heart and soul into this. I'm going to write a song for it. I've got two other people who are going to write a song for it as well. Um, and I'm going to do some of the old songs for my dad.
2: Oh, wow. So
3: that's that. And then there's other little things in the pipeline that I can't really talk about because mm. they're big and if they don't happen, I don't want people disappointed. Yeah. yeah. But they are big.
2: Yeah.
3: And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I don't know if I'll be allowed to do it. I don't know mm. if I'll be accepted. But it is in, it's in the pipeline.
2: So excited for you. So
3: life, life is good. And mm. as I said, we're all in... At the moment, we're in the middle of disaster with everything going up mm. and, you know, the government... Given, I, I I laugh at the government. Sorry for just, I just need mm. to get this out. I laugh at the government at times, like they they they're trying their best, but the amount of money that they get paid, they just don't get
4: mm.
3: where we're coming from, because they're living in a much higher place than we are. Yeah. So they don't get. But you know, I hate to say they're trying their best. They could do a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel about the government, and I feel sorry for anybody out there. But what I want to say to people out there is this. Yes, we're going through a horrible time. And anybody who has demons, talk to somebody. Get help. And even with your problems, with your bills and stuff, don't be afraid and don't be ashamed to say, I'm struggling because there's help out there as best as you can do. Now, I just have to say that because people don't understand Mm. that everybody is going through this. And we all have pride, but pride comes before a fall. And if you are having huge problems in your home or your bills, Your family's going to suffer if you don't swallow your pride and get help. They shouldn't have to. Mm. The government should be doing all this for them. I'm grateful for what the government has given us at the moment. But we're going to need a hell of a lot more as as the years come on.
2: Mm. Can I ask you before I let you go, what is or what has been your favourite song to sing?
3: Right. There are loads of songs. I mean, I Who Have Nothing, obviously, is one of the songs. And that brings me back to Deborah's father as well. You know... uh, I suppose the love I had for him—I loved him more than he ever loved me. He wasn't a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of them. The other song is when I first seen him with the girl he was with. It's I. Uh, it's you don't have to say you love me. And I remember, you know, I was pregnant with Deborah, and he walked into my local bar with this this girl, and I never said anything. I sat there just that hurt inside me, and I was, I think, three or four months pregnant, and they caught me up to sing. And the first song that came into my head was When I said I needed you and I sang the song and I cried. He just stood at the bar with it. And my friend, Julie Lord of Mercy, who's dead now, she was sobbing. And that song has stuck with me ever since. So every time I sing that song, it gives me goosebumps. Oh my God. And it just it just means so much to me. So that's one of the favourite songs. I've loads of favorites, but that one. That and I Maybe it's like fuck. It's like a movie. It's like a movie. Rob Murphy, get your feckin pen out. I know because this is what we're trying to do as well, myself yeah. and Rob. So that's yeah. something in the pipeline too. It's like to write a, a to write a play or not to write a play. I suppose to write my life story, story. to music. Yeah, and I will tell the story, and the music will be played. And oh, I will do God. it. I will act that music out. I will cry my heart out. Because while I'm talking to people and telling them the story, and then I have to sing the song, it's going to be very emotional. So there'll be a lot of people crying that night. But then they all go out and get drunk. Yee-haw! Yeah. Oh. And on that note, we leave it there, Mary Byrne. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute
2: pleasure for coming into my life. Like I don't, again, I don't know how, and then like my fortieth, you know, that was the big thing, and like the big. And when Alan said I have a surprise for you, and you walked around the corner, like I could have passed out peacefully. Like <laughs> I really could have. And like you just, you just light up every room you go into. Thank you. And as I said, yeah, pure joy, pure heart. Thank you so
3: much. Thank you very much. And I just have to say, you wear the same. You light up every room oh, you're stop. into. Thanks, you're very good. Love Thanks. you lots. Maybe.
1: Love you too. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.